That's I, the point I was just getting yeah, to. Yeah. I'm not taking issue with them using these themes in an effective way to further the fact that this is technically a horror show. Yeah, it's a horror genre and mm-hmm. like physical sexual horror is part of that genre. Whether or not you like it. No. It is a part, it of, is a genre. part of the genre. Like and so that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about just all of the quote unquote jokes that they were making about like sexual assault and violence and rape. Even the scene where like Meg is getting tortured and they're like, oh she's gonna be naked. Yeah. And so like that I think is where the misogyny comes into it. Because again, like you could say, well, it's part of the horror genre that she be strapped up and tortured. And I'm like, yeah, sure. But we have seen so many people strapped up and tortured in this show. And I'm pretty sure the only two we've ever seen to have it happen nude are Ruby and now Meg. Like, please, if I'm misremembering this and someone remembers another instance, let me know. But I am damn certain that those are the only two instances. And also, we definitely haven't seen, even if there have been other cases of nudity, never men. No. Like, and that is the thing. That is the thing is, like, there's just... You can say it's part of the genre, and, like, I think that some of it is. I think some of it is just playing into the genre. But there is some stuff where it's, like, you could have done that scene and had her not be naked. Yeah. And it would have, like... It would have been just as impactful. Yeah. You did not need the nudity. The nudity was added for... For what? For misogyny. Yeah. Like, that's... that's for the the dude bros that they call a lot. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's... Yeah. It's just unnecessary. For me, like, that is the, that's the line. Is it's like, is it an acceptable part of the genre? Yeah. Whether or not I enjoy it as a component, or is it just unnecessary? But there's a difference between using a trope because you're doing a genre mm. and making it unnecessarily sexist. Like, yeah. I'm like, here's the thing. Some of it, like, I have a note about how the demon says, your lips are moving and I hear noises coming out, but I don't understand them because I don't speak a little bitch, right? And, like, the thing is, like... And also, that demon has called them girls, like, two seconds ago. Yeah, and so I'm like, I understand the misogyny here is problematic, right? Mm. But I enjoy that, like, specific interaction. I kind of find it entertaining. Because it's like, we know that the demon is a bad character. Mm. (laughs) Like, the point is that the demon is the villain. So if the demon says shitty misogynistic shit, yeah... Because it's the demon. But then if we have, like, Sam and Dean, who are supposed to be our protagonists, who are supposed to be the characters who are, like, we are morally aligned with because we want them to, like, succeed because we agree with their cause, mm-hmm. I don't want them <laughs> to, to have that misogynistic mentality. The fact that they do is inescapable. Yeah. But, like, I think that there is, like, there's nuance here. Like, there is misogyny that makes sense within a, a narrative, and there is misogyny for the sake of misogyny. And I think that there is a difference. And, like, we can back and forth about, like, what you don't consider necessary versus unnecessary. And that, I think, becomes subjective, and it comes down to, like, personal preference and personal experience and yada yada. But for me, I just think that there were some lines in this episode that were crossed unnecessarily. Okay, I think we can move along from the big yikes. There is other big yikes stuff, but I'm, I don't feel like listening right now. <laughs> it's big yikes. We'll, we'll, we'll probably circle probably, around to yeah, it. Yeah, we'll probably circle back around to it. You've watched the episode, presumably. You know what we're talking about. There's nothing really extra we can add other than yuck. Yeah. Big yikes. Big yikes. What I do want to say is this is not something that we saw in the episode. It's rather the lack of something that we saw. There's a lot of talk about how Sam is the only thing stuck in the cave with Michael and <laughs> Fucking Adam is there! <laughs> I, I, they're 
like, oh yeah, Michael and Lucifer. It's like, okay, well, yeah, Sam was Lucifer's vessel. Hmm. I wonder whose Michael's vessel was <laughs> that is currently stuck in the cage with him. I know. Like, I think Crowley specifically says that Sam's soul is the only thing down there with them for them to take their, like, petty revenge yeah. out on. And you were sitting there going, what about Adam? And it's just so funny because, yeah, what about Adam? That's why that joke is so prevalent in fanfiction and just fandom in general. Like, just everyone forgets Adam. That's right. <laughs> After this point, I'm making about every single thing I ever write will in fact Adam. Adam. <laughs> yeah. Whether we actually meet Adam or it's not kind of... I am not going to fucking forget Adam. Adam will be there. Adam Even will be there. Even if it just means that they're watching Percy Jackson yeah. in the background. <laughs> exactly. Even if it's the only thing is like the don't the get off my roof scene. Like that is it. Even if you just you have someone yell, hey, get off my roof. In yeah. like <laughs> That's Adam's spirit in this scene. I love it. I love it. No, but I do think it's very funny. I like it's not. Because poor no. fucking Adam. Poor they're like, fucking they're Adam. Like, oh, do we really want to get Sam Sorted back? Like, it'll be tormented. They've been fucking with it this entire time because he's the only thing down there. It's like, no, there are two people down Quite genuinely, you can't watch the Hollywood show parodies yet because of spoilers, right? Yeah. But I actually think I have seen both of them because I was a big fan of Hollywood. When they come out, I was like, I don't understand this IP, but I'm going to watch it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not allowed to rewatch them. Yeah. Crucially. Because now you'll be like, hang on a minute. I have been banned since we started recording. And to be fair, I watched them like when they came out. When they came out, which was. Yeah, one of them is to shake it off. So, yeah. like, you know, it's been a while since like 1989. Eight years ago? Since 1989 yeah. was originally released. I think yeah. that was like 2014. Or yeah. Like, it's been a hot mess. The only thing I can remember is there's something about the Mark of Pain, and Dean has it. Okay. That's the only spoiler that I've gotten out of those parodies. Okay. To be clear. For the record. For transparency. I don't know anything else about it. Do you know? I just know that Dean has it and he's not happy about it. Do you know what it is? The mark of it. It's the thing that everyone gets a tattoo of on their forearm. <laughs> okay. So you know it from like fandom osmosis as yeah. like a thing that people tattoo on them. And that is bad. Okay. And that's why he's trying to shake it yeah. off that whole video. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. I'm glad that's all you know because that would have been really bad if you knew about more about that. What I will say is if anyone hasn't seen the Hollywood show parodies and either don't care about spoilers or have seen the whole show or enough. Well, please. we all know the only spoiler you're getting from it is that Dean has the mark of Cain and that's it. You don't know <laughs> what it is. You don't know what. There is other spoilers that you don't remember. <laughs> I will tell you that right fucking now. There are specifically like season 10 spoilers that you are not remembering, which is so fucking uh, good for me. But... Basically, if you don't care about spoilers or you have seen the whole show or like however, whatever, and you have not somehow seen the Hollywood parodies, please, God, go watch them. Specifically, I really, really like the Shake It Off one. I It's the first one of the two and I prefer that one personally. But yes, I would highly recommend them. They're so well The done. only thing I remember about the Ghostbusters parody they did for Supernatural is the Misha scene at the end where he's pretending to be the Yeah. And that is, I in can't. fact, a life. Yeah, I do love that. Yeah. But the reason I brought it up is because, and I can't remember which parody it is, it might be the second one actually, from memory, they actually have Jake Abel, who plays Adam, and they have him in a prison suit, in a cage, like, as as dancing, like, as part of the choreo, like, because everyone fucking forgets about Adam stuck in the fucking cage, and so they had him in it, just in the fucking cage, and now just dancing by himself. And it's so funny. I think at some point 
someone comes to interact with him, but it's, he's literally just, like, dancing in the fucking cage in hell. And I was like, that's so funny. Because, like, the fandom collectively remembers Adam because the show forgot him so severely that everyone had the same reaction as you. Which is like, you're forgetting a crucial plot point. <laughs> so, yes, it's delightful. Here's the thing. I understand if it's just like, oh, well, they're not talking about anything where Adam is relevant, so, like, they're not bringing Adam up. But they are very specifically saying that Sam Soul is the only thing in the cage with Michael and Lucifer. Like, explicitly, in-text so, dialogue. So unless they somehow know that Adam's not there, yeah. which, like, how? How? Because we know... By next day, you... And <laughs> Adam's actually gotten out of the cage and is just, like, chilling and living his life. That's so funny. Literally, he just, like, never called them because he was yeah. just like, I ain't messing around with this shit. And he shit. keeps on turning on the TV and seeing, like, all the end of the world shit. There's a particular episode in season seven that would be so funny for him to turn on the TV and see the news coverage. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just a thing. It's just like a slice of life. Like, you know, Adam's back from the dead. Yeah. Like, he was never, like, technically declared dead, so he's just sort of stepped back into his life. Yeah. Like, but with all his hell trauma now. Yeah, but with all his hell trauma now. And, like, but, you know, like, I think he's a pretty nice kid. He'll be well-adjusted. You know, he'll go back to college. And it just follows his whole life of him, like, graduating from college and, like, getting a job and have, getting married and having kids. Crucially, like, does Adam have a soul? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Remember, does Adam only, have Michael? <laughs> it's, it's only Sam's soul in the cage. Nothing oh, else. okay. So if Adam's soul was in the cage, okay. then they would have mentioned that. Surely. Yeah. <laughs> You're so right. I love that the show in itself is kind of implying that Adam is somehow out and about. Yeah. And they're just like, so, so you just gotta write that thing, you know? He's just out and back, he's just living his life. And like every, like, you know, six months or so, he'll turn on the TV and he'll be like, huh, that's what they're up to now. And then he'll turn it off and go back to his life. Oh, that's so And that's what he deserves. If anyone has written or knows of a fic of this kind of nature that is spoiler free, like that doesn't take place in like later seasons or whatever, please let us know. Because that sounds fucking delightful. <laughs> Otherwise, Jamie's just going to have to write it herself. But I feel like I can't actually write that until I've seen the entire show. Because you kind of want it to go 15 seasons, right? Yeah, okay. So, like, you check in once a year on it where Adam's doing, like, a timestamp. Yeah, basically. (laughs) And, like, you know, you'd timestamp it because you'd pick, like, maybe an episode or two or three per season. Yeah. But something particularly... Four to six months. Yeah. Where something particularly, like, you know, important is happening that would get decent amount of news coverage, you know, like Yeah, I can think of some examples. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know what I mean? Like you, you know, and you're just checking in with Adam and how he's going his life. And then mm-hmm. obviously the final one has to be the finale finale. Okay. No, I love it. I look forward to it. I look forward to when we podcast and you decide to write your Adam POV. <laughs> I, I I write POVs. That's what I do. My first ever Supernatural thing was, in fact, a Meg POV. So, you know how Jen is, like, rewriting the whole fucking series and, like, KJ is at the moment working on, like, a fic, which is, like, essentially a rewrite of the yeah. series. Like, we're just think... dead because she's an icon. She's an icon. And yeah, Sam we love trans her. and we love it. Yeah. If you haven't read that, absolutely, you should check that out as well. But what is this so is just like funny to me is that you're going to get to the end of this series and you're going to write a, a rewrite, but it'll be Adam's POV the whole fucking time. So it's just like a normal fucking story up until the point where he like gets eaten by a ghoul, and then it's just like, <laughs> sorry. Okay. This ep- this episode has now just become like the Australians plug their friends. <laughs> I had somewhere I wanted to go with that, and it's just kind of What were we even talking about? Well, I forget Adam. Oh, <laughs> And I'm offended right now that you forgot that we were talking about that 
the fact that they forget Alice. I wish that that was a joke, but I genuinely forgot what we were talking about. Oh, I know where I wanted to go with this. Okay, so obviously they're like, do we even want to get Sam Saul out of hell? He's going to be like tortured. He's going to be da 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 da. He's their only plaything. Ignoring the whole Adam element of that because we've already gone on a tangent about that. Yeah. I kind of want, right, Sam to get his soul back, but it's so tortured that he's now evil Sam. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they get his soul back, back and now he's worse. You know what I mean? Like, it, as bad as the apathy is, mm-hmm. that he gets his soul back and it's worse. Dean looked at Sam and he's like, I could fix him. And it's just like, babe, <laughs> no, you can't. You should have just kept him without a soul. He was doing fine. Like, well, you know fine's I mean? a relative term, but yeah, yeah. I think Sam actually, Sam makes a really good point this episode which is like when the angels and demons agree on something call me crazy i pay attention and i'm like yeah sam actually that's a good point bobby lent him a brain suddenly <laughs> that's actually bobby taking control of the vessel <laughs> which he can do now because there's no soul there mm-hmm. yeah but no i i'm interested to hear your thoughts mm. on kind of that moral dilemma because like Obviously, Crowley has said this yeah. is a bad idea. Meg agrees with Crowley, which, again, whack when those two agree on yeah. something, too, because they're diametrically opposed to those, you know. And yeah. also, like, Cass is saying, that's probably a bad idea. Yeah. And it's for a the really, three of them to all agree. This episode is a really gay-on-gay-on-gay <laughs> gay violence episode. It really is. And I cannot wait to talk about that a bit Because more. as much as, like, okay, we've got to talk about it. Meg makes out with Cass a little bit this episode. Just a smidge. Just a smidge. That felt less like Meg actually wanted to and more like that was a power move. And, like, if that doesn't give you queer energy, then I don't know. Literally, I really like Meg's not as a romantic pairing, but just as, like, such a fun fucking dynamic. Because Mm -hmm. both of them are flirting hard. Cass doesn't know necessarily that that's what he's doing, but, like, they are both so fucking petty and bitchy and... They just play off each other they're, so well. They're gay besties who, like, hate each other but also love each other. I just love the Meg Cass dynamic mm-hmm. because they're both so petty. Like, if anyone looked at them from the outside, they hate each other. But they don't. They're no. besties. And literally, it was so funny. Well, I think it's an Abandoned on Hope where we actually got the flashback yeah. from the intro to this episode. But yeah, my note was literally, if they're Meg-baiting me, I quit. Yeah. <laughs> When, like, we have that whole, like, charge situation, he pushes her into the fire and walks over her and it's like, whoa. I remember when we did that episode, or maybe when we were just talking about it offline, and you said, I think they're not going to drop that. Like, it, this isn't going to end until they, like, make out, right? And I was thinking of this episode, and I was like, well, you're not wrong. Like, dodgeball of prophecy. This, right? is, this is clearly not the end of the dynamic yeah. that they're working on with those two. But, yeah, like absolutely they were building for that and i number one thing is really funny because like the whole angel demon thing you know like okay i get it like we've seen it with good omens like it's an obvious you know trope right they're like oh like the forbidden love or whatever but because these two characters like they just they don't have romantic vibes for me like they have like sexual vibes Mm -hmm. i see that and they have like bantery chemistry Mm -hmm. But I think, I, for me, it feels platonic. I really like Mexiel as a dynamic, but for me, I've never seen it as romantic. Yeah. And, like, I know that some, a lot of people do, and, like, this is not to discredit that. And Mexiel is used a lot when people say, like, oh, Cass is gay. People will be like, okay, but Cass and Meg, like, you know. But they're both ageless, genderless beings. Well, 
Meg technically has a gender because she was human and like at least she identifies as female mm-hmm. like she chooses female vessels so that's how we refer to her Cass similarly uh, to this point in the series we've only seen him in a male vessel except I've, for briefly Claire I feel like when you're an angel or when you're a demon gender is like meh pish posh gender is whatever the meat suit happens to have between the day you know what I mean like yeah I think that it is, like, valid, though, for people to bring up Meg oh, yeah. as, like, a potential romantic interest for Cass and as an argument that he's not, like, necessarily black and white, mm-hmm. straight up gay. I understand that. Personally, for me, I don't read it that way. For me, it feels more like, mm, am I gay? I don't know. Let me make out with my girl best friend for a bit. Well, he Just was check. Literally, Just check on that. He was literally introduced to porn today. Yeah. So, like, for me, this specifically feels more like compare than and then we get the lovely little like dean reaction shots in we get as well. three we get fucking three dean reaction shots just in that one scene and like it's insane personally like i don't know if this is just me projecting but i read meg as inherently like there is just something about meg that's like a little you know what i mean i think most of the demons give off that kind of yeah. energy if i'm being real mm-hmm. And here's the thing, I just don't think they thought it through when it comes to the women. Like, I feel like they were like, oh, yeah, no, we're going to make all of the men queer-coded because, you know, homophobia. Yeah. And then they just didn't think through the implications when it comes to the female demon. I'm just going to very briefly, because I could talk about it for fucking hours, I'm yeah. going to very, very briefly and succinctly, I hope, run through all of the different Dean reaction shots we got Okay. of Megan Cass this episode. Yeah. Because it is like, we've been getting fucking Cass reaction shots and Dean reaction shots since fucking 410 with, That's the, how Anna, you know their with the Dean Anarchist, right? And so the first one we get is when they first, like, meet up with Meg and Meg's like, do you remember me? I sure remember you, Clarence. Immediately cuts to a reaction shot on Dean. Then Meg up and down, like, looks cast up and down as they're, like, walking away. Another face shot of Dean. And then we get the, like, first kiss. We immediately get a Dean reaction shot. Then Cass picks her up, puts her against the wall. And then we get another reaction shot of Dean. We get Meg saying, what was that about? And then it pans to Dean, who is not saying anything, but certainly has the body language of, yeah, what she said, (laughs) right? And then we get Cass saying, I learned that from the pizza man, and we get another Dean reaction shot. And I cannot cannot emphasize enough how relevant that will end up being. I cannot (laughs) emphasize enough the pizza man line is essential knowledge. It's actually the most important point of this entire episode. It Moving <laughs> forward. Like, everything else is relevant to season six. That's relevant that always. Is, that is long con level. Like, this reference will be important in season 15. And it will be important in a way you will not see coming. <laughs> but I promise you. It is one of the most, you know we talk about this as an insane show full of insane choices? Yeah. This insane choice does not make any logical sense. And I mean that with my full chest. This particular reference will end up being used in the most insane way. And I remember when I watched it the first time and I was like, what are they, what are they, what? And my brain malfunctioned. To be fair, your brain does that a lot. No. People listening, especially anyone who ships Destiel, will know <laughs> what I'm talking about. And, like, I need to, like, I, I cannot explain to you how insane the recurrence of this is and also how it was so irrelevant to the plot that was happening at the time, to anything else happening in that episode. It was like a montage that just was just there. 
and it looked like a fan I'm assuming edit. you mean like the Pizza Man montage, whereas like every time you've seen Pizza or Pizza Man. It's the Pizza Man montage, which I don't know if you've seen. I have not seen you've the I've heard, heard of it. Yeah, yeah, the infamous Pizza Man Chronically montage. online. Like, <laughs> the infamous Pizza Unfortunately, Man Unfortunately, it is terminal. Yeah, look, it's it'll be relevant. I need you to remember it. <laughs> In fact, I actually would suggest that you try to remember the whole scene. So obviously, like, we have in this episode the scene where Cass is just casually just watching porn and we get the iconic line, if the pizza man truly loves this babysitter, why does he keep slapping her rear? And he goes on to be like, you know, maybe she's misbehaved or whatever. And then we get Dean's reaction, which is to say, you don't watch porn in a room full of dudes and you don't talk about it, which feels like a weird addition, just putting it out there. (laughs) It's certainly an interesting addition to the sentence. And then Dean goes, great, now he's got a boner. And I'm like, why were you looking, babe? (laughs) Why were you looking? Anyway. Uh, we then obviously get Simon coming in and he said, this is what you boys do, sit around watching photos with angels. And Cass, true icon that he is, comes back with, we're not supposed to talk about it. Which I need to know what the fuck Samuel is thinking at this point. Oh, anyway, I'm so sorry. I just wanted to really highlight the Dean reaction shots that we get to the whole Meg's DL business because it is, I think, really relevant. And obviously the whole, I learned it from the Pizza Man thing, will come back to haunt me eternally. So. Yeah. Like the rest of the show. It's not a yeah. one and done. <laughs> it is haunting you eternal. It's a terminal illness, yeah. yeah. Okay. I just want to talk about something that did confuse me. Oh, okay. They're in the house. Mm-hmm. Right? There is a lamp on in the background. <laughs> the house is still fucking so dark that you can't see anything. Like, clearly you have electricity. It doesn't matter if people can see light through the windows because you've got a fucking lamp on. Turn on the lights! I, I, I don't know how to explain that I want to be able to see what the scene actually is. I just wish that one scene would be like normally lit for the environment it's meant to be and I could actually fucking see something on the TV screen and not just fucking black. I literally have a note which says the blood and guts reveal, which is like later when like Dean's like peering around the plastic or whatever, would be so much more impactful if you could see the blood and guts yeah. reveal. It's like I see Dean move the plastic and I see a dark mass and I assume it's blood and guts. But like to be fair, if I'd been watching the episode like in a dark room in the evening or like whatever, I probably would have been able to see it better. But I was watching it on my television screen in my lounge room on a beautiful sunny day. Yeah. So in any case, it shouldn't be so dark that I can't see the colour red. Also, I just wanted to ask, was this scene where Sam Putin's cast the scene that you think of last week? It right? was! It hey! was literally We were so close. That was such good timing. Look that was such good timing. Immediate payoff. Supernatural could never. <laughs> Genuinely, I love that scene. In case someone who was listening to this didn't listen to our last week's episode, which if you didn't, what are you doing? Go back and listen to it. That fucking scene where Sam summons Cass, which first of all, fucking hilarious that he summons him by fully just recounting the plot of Raiders or whatever. But Sam summons Cass and Cass is like, I'm literally fighting for my life right now. I am mid-battle, Sam. I am doing shit. I am busy, right? And Sam says, if you don't help us, I will hunt you down and kill you. Which, like, okay. But also stop making fucking threats. They do this every single week. They're like, "Mm, no, if we can't work with him, we'll just kill him. Well, first off, it's especially rude because he's turning to murderers, which, which, gonna make family dinner. It's gonna gonna make family dinner so fucking awkward. And secondly, bitch, how? Literally, then. You're threatening Cass because you can't even manage to murder Crowley. Do you really think you're going to be able to manage to murder Cass, the person that you are recruiting to murder somebody else for you? Literally, 
I think that this scene is the hottest that Cass ever is. And, and I... <laughs> actually, yeah. Based on the Eric Kripke quote about how Dean would be attracted to someone who walked into a room, killed everyone, and then walked back out. Yeah. Because literally the way that he, like, slowly approaches Sam, tilts his head and goes, will you, boy? Oh, I love it. I love it. And then he's like, how? Right? And Sam comes back with, I don't know yet, which is so funny. It's literally like, Cass is like, will you, boy? How? Like, I'm bigger than you, stronger than you, older than you, more knowledgeable than you, You're more powerful than you. You're recruiting me as backup because I am more powerful yeah, than literally. you. I am the most powerful piece you have to play right now. And then he's like, how are you going to defeat me? And so I'm like, I don't know, but I don't sleep. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, and I get that it's supposed to be like Sam threatening him back, but I'm like, no, Cass won. Cass actually won. And like, the fact that he then chose to help them, yeah. I'm like, that's irrelevant. That's just because yeah. he, like, he wants to help. Like, it's not actually because you beat him in some fucking game of wits, no. Sam. It's just, it's so fucking funny to me. But then Sam fully lies to Dean. Clearly Sam and Dean have had a discussion where Dean's like, you can try calling Cass if you fucking want. I'm not going to bother. I don't think he's going to show. And then Sam obviously goes and he gets hacked. And then Sam fully lies to Dean about how he got Cass to help. Yeah. Like, Dean does not know about Sam threatening to kill Cass. Because Sam says, like, it's just what friends do for each other. Like, threaten to murder each other. Yeah, just boy things. Just friendship stuff. And it's just like, holy fucking shit. It's insane to me. And then it's so funny, because, like, later in the episode, Crowley has Sam and Dean sort of pinned against opposite walls. And then Cass comes in with his bones. And I want to ask you about this in a minute as well, because it's new lore just got. But <laughs> Sam and Dean kind of get released from their places they're pinned on the walls, because Cass is like, let them go kind of thing. And... We get Cass' reaction shot, and he only checks on Dean. He does not check to see if Sam is okay. And it's just like, yeah. And, like, Dean at the end of the episode is like, Cass, if there's anything we can do, like, you know, and Cass has said much of the time, I would rather be here, which, like, breaks my heart because, like, yeah, he wants to be with the people he cares about. Like, he wants to be with his friends, and he just, the the call of duty, you know. But also the stakes are fundamentally lower. Like, yeah. Heaven's fucking stressful right now. Like, mm-hmm. baby boy's having a time of it. Yeah. But... And, like, Dean says, like, if there's anything we can do, and Cass is like, you can't. But, you know, like, I appreciate it. And Dean's like, we're your friends. Which is insane because, like, speak for yourself, babe. Sam just threatened to kill him, like, literally six hours ago. And actually, not even to mention that Dean basically not, like, threatens Cass, but. When they were talking about the morals of retrieving and returning Sam's soul to his body, and Cass was like, I don't know if it's a good idea, really. Like, we don't know what the ramifications are going to be. And Dean is like, well, you'll figure it out. And it's just like, why is this his job? Why is it Cass's job to deal with that? Like, because then what if he can't fix him, which he's just told you he wouldn't yeah. even know evil how Sam. to start fixing evil him. Evil Sam. Is this your prediction yeah, now? Evil, evil Sam. Sam. Yeah. It- Sam's going to get his soul back and then he's going to be evil because he was tortured for so long by Michael Lucifer. And you've also got to remember that, like, time passes quicker in mm. Earth than Hell. So he's been there, like, objectively. Other way around. It passes faster in Hell. You knew, you knew what I fucking knew. I knew what you meant. It's but... hard to fucking describe. <laughs> Sorry. I was giving you a chance to self-correct before you got too far ahead. Either that or the complete opposite and he's better than he's ever been because turns out 
They just needed some family therapy. Oh my god, if Sam's soul is in the cage family therapizing fucking Michael and Lucifer, that's the funniest outcome. Yeah. That's hilarious. They get Sam's soul back and like... Now he's a practicing... <laughs> he's just he's psychologist. a psychologist yeah. now. Psych boy at Stanford. Okay, what I do want to talk about is something that the implications have only just hit me. So okay. I, I want to discuss it here. Not specific, like it is relevant to this episode, but not more so than any other episode. Mm-hmm. So we learn earlier in the season. Sam doesn't sleep, right? You touched on this earlier yes. already. This episode. What about not having a soul makes your body's physiological need for sleep unnecessary? Oh, we have tried to explain supernatural shit with science so many times, Jamie. Here's the <laughs> most of the time you can be like, oh, well, this is like. X, Y, Z reason, like, you can, who gives a shit as long as it, like, it's fine, it's just made up bullshit look. But also, like, I understand not having a soul, it, it's sort of taking away your humanity, right? Sleeping is not inherently linked to humanity. It's At least not, not in my brain. Because, like, your body needs sleep to recover, you know? Like, it, it is it is a physio, like, and as much as, it, like, you know, getting a good night's sleep is, like, really good for your, your mental health, it's not primarily a mental health exercise. Physiologically, your body still needs sleep. And just because you've had your soul removed, why would that impact how much you sleep? Okay, I'm going to look at this from the angle of we don't have any truly conclusive scientific reasoning as to why we sleep. Like, we know that we do, obviously, and we know that we have to or we die. I think the person who lasted the longest before dying is like 11 days. And sleep deprivation is like a known tactic yeah. in like torture scenarios and, you know, bits and pieces like this. Like, we know we need sleep, otherwise it has absolutely detrimental health effects to the point of death. Yeah. We know we need it. We know we do it. We know roughly how much we need to be well-functioning. We know a lot about sleep. We don't conclusively know why we need it. We, there's a lot of theory, but there is no conclusive, this is definitively why we have evolved to perform this process. Here's the thing. The reasoning I don't give a shit about. Like, I, I care, but, like, my point is you literally just said the longest anyone has ever gone without sleeping is 11 days before they die. They didn't die because of, they obviously, physiologically, when you don't sleep, it does something to your body that can lead to death. Whatever that thing is, I don't think really matters for this discussion. I just think, I don't see how not having a soul would remove the body's actual physical or physiological need for sleep. I guess my point being that we don't really know what, like, constitutes a soul. So, like, we don't know how it interacts with your other physiology. Like, that's my, that's my science slash magic take like as far as that can take us like literally before we started recording this episode today Jamie was like so I've got a theory about being iron deficient and whether or not you would be more or less like likely to be possessed and I was like Jamie (laughs) we are not getting into this right now like we have too often tried to cross science with fucking stupid supernatural lore and it haunts me always and like yeah this is another example like there is no answer there is, I'm going to fucking torture myself over this and there's no sh- fucking answer. But yeah, like I, I think that in this instance, I'm going to assume that the take is that your soul is somehow inherently linked to your circadian rhythm and without your fucking soul, it just doesn't. But your circadian <laughs> rhythm is just hormone. Yeah, well, maybe. Which, does does that mean he no longer has hormones? <laughs> well, is that okay. what you're saying? Is Actually, your soul literally just your adrenal gland? I would, <laughs> is it just your thyroid? Like... <laughs> Okay, yeah, like, if you lose your soul, actually, you just lose your pituitary, you know, and your hypothalamus. Here's the thing. I think that you might actually be onto something. 
Because the whole thing is that Sam doesn't have emotion. Yeah. Like, literally, he's talking about how he's like, oh, I'm so scared right now. And you can hear his fucking heartbeat in, like, the episode where Dean gets named yeah. a vampire. And his heart is not beating any fucking faster. Like, he should have adrenaline. He yeah. should have cortisol right now. And he doesn't. So maybe it's actually hormonal. Because, like, think about it, right? Like, you've got, like, oxytocin and serotonin and these hormones because your emotions are driven by hormonal response. Yes. So, like, so maybe just removing his maybe hormonal he just life. doesn't have hormones. Yeah. Like, maybe it just removes your hormonal function. Like, maybe, like, Round-breaking maybe, demon science. maybe it just, like, because you know how, like, basically everything is controlled by negative feedback, loops, yeah. right? There's only, like, two processes that are controlled by positive ones, and it's during childbirth, and it's blood clotting, right? I'm so sorry for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about. But basically, in your body, there are two ways that your physiological everything is controlled. It's either by negative feedback loop or positive feedback loop. A positive feedback loop will mean that your body receives a stimuli and it goes, hmm, I'm going to increase the thing that is making this happen. So like in childbirth, it's basically like, wow, these contractions are really fucking painful. I'm going to keep doing them, <laughs> which kind of goes against everything else. Like normally if you have pain, your body's like, let's make a response so that we stop getting it. But in this instance, it's like, we're going to continue the pain because it's necessary. Blood clotting is the other one, which is like, oh, I'm bleeding out. Normally, I don't want my blood to clot because it would be terrible. But in this instance, my blood needs to clot so I don't bleed out. They're the two options. That's why it clots in the first place. Yeah, literally everything else is, to my knowledge, controlled by negative feedback loops. So if something is impairing those feedback loops, normally it just means that you start presenting with like various sort of ailments. Oh, yeah, we'd like do bloods and do other tests to figure out what the problem is. In Sam's case, it's just like all of his emotional response hormones have just stopped. Yeah. Which is just like whack. Okay, so we've got an answer. We <laughs> now know why Sam doesn't sleep because he doesn't have a soul. It's because the soul is stored in your blood. Yeah, literally. Like, so even, even like cortisol, right, is like a great example. It will naturally peak around like just before and around the time where you are waking up in the morning it triggers gl- uh, gluconeogenesis which yeah. means you get a spike in your blood sugar so like you're waking up like that's it's part of its process and then it naturally dwindles throughout the day and it's at its lowest assuming that you don't have an illness while you're asleep the baseline and like stuff like shift work and that can really screw with your your cortisol and with your circadian rhythm if sam isn't having those like natural kind of levels that are spiking and lulling at certain points in the 24 hour like period of time that we constitute as a day like yeah i guess he just wouldn't sleep it doesn't really explain why he's not getting ill it just kind of maybe explains the lack of emotion and also the inability to sleep because it's not necessarily that he hasn't tried to sleep or that he's not tired it's just that he doesn't yeah anyway we need to get off of this because i'm just talking about science now and if anyone cares i do think that if you were anemic which means you have low iron levels in your blood you probably are more likely to be able to be possessed just by virtue <laughs> just another reason to make sure you're getting your iron intake PSA from Beth. Which brings me to my PSA of the day. Beth, what do you think it is? And you cannot say don't be anemic. Oh, uh, fuck. Because you really shouldn't have really, <laughs> really shouldn't have given that up so quick. Okay. We've already had like a version of don't make out during high intensity traumatic yeah, situations. Like, like ghost faces like that. Yeah. Okay. I've got one that's silly. <laughs> It'll do. I have got a PSA guess which is basically a slow clap will always be effective if applied appropriately. Because I feel like Crowley slow claps in basically every fucking episode that he's in and every time I'm like, that's the correct response. I don't know if it's the slow clap. 
clap or just Mark Shepard. Maybe my PSA is just that Mark Shepard cannot go wrong with a slow clap. Maybe, maybe the PSA should just be like, good Mark Shepard. <laughs> maybe that's the PSA. Yeah. yeah. No, my actual PSA that I did previously prepare was maybe don't threaten to murder your brother's Like, that just does not <laughs> Specifically? See... So I can yeah. threaten to murder my brother's girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Great. I love that it's not just a, a blanket. Don't threaten to murder anyone. Yeah. It's like specifically this person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's homophobia. If it's your brother's boyfriend, that's homophobia. Okay. And that's bad. Then. No, just don't threaten yeah, to murder that's, people. That's especially... the problem with that scenario. Yeah. <laughs> Solid PSA. Did you have anything else that you wanted to touch? I've got a fair bit that I still want to ask you about. Oh, I have points. I'm just trying to work out where go. Oh, sure. Because that's uh Well, you can direct this and I'll follow suit. That's, that's a whole thing. That, that's a lot of pressure, Beth. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know where I wanted to go next. Mm-hmm. The other option for my PSA this week that I did not go with okay. because it is, like, as ridiculous as, like, maybe go through to murder people is, yeah. this is even more ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. The other PSA that I thought of for this week is uh, maybe don't make out with your boyfriend's enemy in front of him. Oh, I, look, <laughs> I think that Cass, Meg, and Dean are an interesting trio. And I think the funniest part is that I always forget that Sam's in that scene because they really do not focus. The only time Sam is ever in shot is between the pans from Cass and Meg to Dean and back. Well, like, the, <laughs> the thing is, at this point, we're kind of like, I feel like almost every secondary character you could class as either like a Dean secondary character or like a Sam secondary character. There are a yeah, few okay. exceptions to this rule. I would argue like Bobby's an exception to this rule, mm-hmm. like he's not one of the other. But like Cass, Dean, Dean secondary, secondary character. character. Crowley, Dean secondary character. character. Ruby, Sam, Sam secondary character. character. Like, you know I what I mean? I really like this in sync thing yeah. we're doing. Meg, <laughs> Dean <laughs> secondary character. character. So it's like, this episode is just like all of the Dean secondary characters. It's like Dean secondary characters the episode, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, you're like, right. Like, I would argue Joe is a Dean secondary character, but Ellen is a Sam secondary Really? Yeah. Okay. Wait, reasons for Ellen, because I thought that you were going to say that she was an exception kind of like Bobby. Mm, yeah, true. I think maybe she is an exception like Bobby, but just by virtue of being an exception, it's kind of like, oh, there's so many Dean secondary characters that it feels kind of inherently cruel to <laughs> deprive Sam of having too many. Because, like, Lila, Sam secondary no character. character. Azazel, Sam secondary character. Like, Alistair, Dean Alistair, secondary character. Dean secondary character. Like, you, most of the secondary characters, you can kind of categorize them no. by either which brother do they focus on the most or what brother do they have this the is most actually, to do with. This is actually a very fun way to think about our secondary, like, or supporting cast. Yeah. Because, like, Samuel, Sam's secondary character, character, I would argue, specifically in alignment, although him and Dean, and we will talk about this later, but, like, they have a very interesting relationship. And, like, the important thing to note is just because, like, they're a Sam's secondary character doesn't mean they can't have an interesting relationship with Dean. And vice versa, like, I would argue that Cass and Sam have a very interesting relationship. Yeah. Cass (laughs) is a Dean secondary character. You know what I mean? You know, Michael, Dean secondary character. Lucifer, Sam Sam secondary secondary character. You can reframe the entire show through this lens. Like, you can can look at any secondary character, and nine times out of ten, you're going to be able to class them as, like, Sam or Dean. Sorry, did we classify Meg as a Dean secondary character? That is so funny because she a million percent started off as a Sam yeah, she did. character. She migrated. She migrated. She fully migrated. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Like at this point, she is a Dean secondary character. I think she's one of the few, few secondary characters that started as Sam and then migrated to Dean or like vice versa. Yeah. Like I feel like once you're in one or the other camp, like you kind of stay there. It's so interesting. Like I'm thinking ahead about characters you haven't mm-hmm. met yet. 
And, like, there are some that are, like, so clear-cut. Yeah. And, like, there are some where I'm like, oh, I would need to rewatch to figure yeah. out where they fall. Yeah. Like, and, like, there are there are exceptions. Mm. Like, the ghost faces, exception. Yeah, they're an exception just full yeah. stop. Like, across you know, the board, like, they're an exception. Yeah. Chuck, Dean's secondary character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who does Is Zachariah fall under? Dean, obviously. Yeah, I was obviously. Say, I would argue Dean. The existence of 417 means Zachariah is a Dean's character. You're right. The existence of the Green Room means that Zachariah is a Dean's secondary character. Everything, even Dark Side of the Moon supports this theory. Like, yeah. Sam is there, but do you think Zacky Boy cares? No, he doesn't. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you can just look at the character and be like, is it a Dean or a Sam secondary character? And at this point, we've gotten Meg, who's newly transitioned. Yeah. I feel like Make 1.0 Sam secondary character, make 2.0 Dean secondary character. And do you know why? I think it's because of the cast dynamic. Yeah. I think that if Meg didn't have the dynamic with Cass, she'd be way more on the Sam side yeah. of things. But because Cass is so staunchly a Dean mm-hmm. secondary character and Meg is now attached to Cass, I yeah. think that's what shifts her. I think it's also now that she realises that her relationship with Cass and, like, that entire thing. She can really use it effectively to torment Dean. Dean but yeah. even in this episode, we get confirmation that Meg was also a student of Alistair. Yes. Further cementing her into the Dean secondary character camp. Yes, and oh my god, actually, I wanted to mention that scene. Like, we kind of glossed over it in our big yikes statement at the beginning of the episode. The, like, sexualization that Meg yeah. uses um, in that moment when she's, like, struggling. But she Dean. said that she was trained by Alistair. Does that mean that Dean was also trained by Alistair to use sexuality against people? I literally was going to bring this up because as that scene is ending and Holy she, God, we are sharing the brain I know oh god the energy in this room right now is maybe it's because we're back in my bedroom like yeah you know it's been a while who, who could have seen that coming but literally that scene ends with Meg leaving right and then the male presenting demon following her out but he like stops and like looks at Dean and Dean has the line of like are you gonna kiss me and that's when he leaves and I was like we have just fucking seen Meg employ her sexuality to make Dean uncomfortable in this scenario. And what did we just see Dean do? Employ sexuality to make that dude uncomfortable. Like, and they, yeah, they were both trained under Alistair. We know that John has been teaching Dean to do this. Well, I mean, you know, because yeah. I've told you and like, yeah. it's at meta textual stuff. You know, that John did this from when he was a fucking minor. And like- We even just know from like Dead Man's Blood. Yeah, and we know from- previous conversations where we're like every single time that Dean is in a polarizing position he tries to use sexual innuendo to make like to get the upper hand yeah. like to make the other person uncomfortable and like yeah you're right like he and Meg had the same instructor and like the fact that Meg says to Dean like I trained under Alistair just like you tell me Dean can I make him say what I want him to say and Dean's like yeah mm-hmm. I think that we sometimes forget how efficient at torturing people Dean is because the show kind of moves away from it. Yeah. Like, it was really, really important for that particularly emotional reveal. Yeah. And for, like, the Alistair stuff in, like, yeah. season four. And then, like, and at the end, it'll write my fit. Time for you to write yeah. your excellent mm-hmm. fit. Yeah. And then cellmates link below. But, <laughs> you know, but, yeah, like, it was important for the plot with torturing Alistair. It was important for the end and his characterization in that scenario. But, like, we kind of moved away. So this was not only a interesting reminder, an interestingly timed mm-hmm. reminder, considering the sexualization of the torture that Meg is employing and that Dean tries to use video. But also because, like, we're kind of distant enough from the original torture plot lines that it's like, yeah, it kind of hits you again. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like, this is the whole topic of torture and using torture. Like, 
when they first go into the building and they're like looking in the cells and that Jin with the tattoos up and down her arms like you have to get me out of here you have to get me out and Dean is like stop and he's like looking at her and she's clearly been through the ringer yeah. and like Sam has to be like Dean come on like he clearly is having like an empathetic moment there and it's like difficult obviously because like ultimately like she is a quote unquote monster but it's more nuanced than that there's more grey area than that just because she's she is a, a monster doesn't mean that she deserves to be no and I think that you know, at the end of the episode, Sam says to Cass, like, if we really want to help, like, there's a building here full of monsters. We can't leave them there, but we can't let them out. So my assumption is when Cass disappears is that he basically goes and as humanely as possible euthanizes mm-hmm. every single one of the monsters. I was thinking they were going to have, like, a zoo. Like, oh was, uh, like, like, like a nice, like, not like a shitty city zoo. <laughs> like, a nice open plain zoo like that. Though, I do have the most important of the episode. Oh, the most important the episode most question. Important. For our episode, not the episode. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because yeah. I've got some questions for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gabriel. Sam yes. or Dean are Jason character? Sam. I'm cool. Say, I know that I have my whole thing about how Gabe is actually kind of Dean-coded, mm-hmm. but, like, ultimately, he is so hyper-focused on Sam in, like, every single instance. He has some important conversations with Dean, but, yeah. like, the way that he focuses on Sam and mm-hmm. Sam's specific misery, <laughs> I think, like, he kind of has to be classed as a Sam adjacent character. Mm-hmm. Gabe, I feel like, just chooses every day. Like, day by day. He's like, okay, which one do I want to talk about today? And he just, like, flips a coin for it and he has a bit of fun, you know what I mean? Speaking of Sam and Jason characters, I wanted to point out that Sam is yet again defaulting to working with Dean. And I I know that, like, in this instance, like, yeah, it made sense to team up with Meg. Mm. But, like, yet again, Sam defaulting to working with Dean. And also, holy shit. Sammy, boy king of hell, really coming through strong with the political strategy. Like, him being able to be like, yeah, Meg is running from Crowley because she's opposing his rule and he's trying to take her out. Like, it's what I would do. Yeah. And, like, damn. Like, I think in that moment, it really solidifies, like, Sam would have made not necessarily, like, a good king of hell in terms of, like, I don't think there's a way you can ethically be king of hell, but, like, he strategically... Yeah would have held power well, yeah. tactically. And I think that that is interesting. Also, this is literally, like, that episode of Friends, and I don't know if you know, but it's, like, spoilers if you haven't seen Friends, but, like, when Monica and Chandler are together and the rest of them are trying to, like, get them to admit that they're together and it's, like, everyone is doing this back and forth of, like, but they don't know that we know that they know they know. And that literally is, like, the point of this episode, but it's Sam trying to double-cross Meg. Like, <laughs> okay. I feel like we need to talk about Sunday in this Okay. Because do they really not see this coming? Like, do they genuinely not see his fucking, like, dude's been a cunt all season? Like, yeah, look. You're really seriously telling me you didn't see the double cross coming. He literally said, no, I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. And then he come back to you and was like, oh, actually, I'm going to do this. It's like, it's like hmm. what happened between those two points? Yeah. It's like, wow, that isn't sus at all. And I think that, number one, Samuel banishes Cass and Sam has literally zero reaction. Yeah. And I think that's so funny. Like, Dean's like, Cass! And Sam's like, yeah, did something change? You know? Like, but then Samuel and Dean have that discussion. And Dean says, you sound just like my dad. And then it goes to, next time I see you, I'll be there to kill you. And I was like, wow, what a pipeline. <laughs> like, <laughs> and like, obviously there's a little bit more that happens between those two things. But I was like, ultimately it goes from, you sound like my dad, to... I'll fucking end you. And there's like Let's 30 seconds in between. Let's pretend there's nothing between those two pieces. Like, yeah. <laughs> the pipeline is real. 
But yeah, obviously Samuel is motivated because Crowley has said that he's going to bring Mary back if Samuel does what he wants. Do you have thoughts, opinions, theories around that? It's like he's like, oh, it's going to bring my daughter back. It's like, okay, so you bring your daughter back and then what are you going to tell her? The Which way is what I, Dean says. Yeah. The way I brought you back is by sacrificing your two sons who you loved and adored in camp and you raised and then were, you know, ultimately killed. Like, just because you got married back doesn't mean she's ever going to fucking forgive you for that bullshit. Yeah. Like, Which is essentially what Dean says to him as well. Like, you're a fucking idiot, dude. Like, come on. Think through your plans. Like, mm-hmm. that is, there's being stupid and then there's that level of stupidity. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, like, I do feel bad for Samuel. Like, he was ripped out of heaven, we assume, and was brought into this world where, like, it's been a decades. Like, yeah. it's a different planet to the one that he left, and he doesn't know anyone. Everyone he knew or loved is literally fucking yeah. dead. Or, like, would have no reason to remember him, like, was a child when he d- died originally kind of thing, you know? And he is thrust into this scenario and, like, someone is saying, I'll bring your daughter back. Like, I'll bring back someone you love, I'll bring back someone you miss, I'll bring back someone who could share this experience with you. So, like, I get the appeal, but I also just don't. Like, I'm also fully on the plate, but what would you be achieving? Interesting, though, for me, that that Crowley fates in with Mary and not, and Deanna. not Deanna. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it's a tactical because like we know that Crowley's always like five steps ahead I wonder if it's a tactical thing of like if Samuel was going to try and like appeal to Sam and Dean it makes more sense for him to use Mary to appeal to them than it does to use Deanna so like I think that maybe that's a Crowley thinking five steps ahead kind of thing yeah and that makes full sense yeah I mean not to like bring the Winchesters into it but we do get like a bit of background knowledge on the fact that like Samuel and Deanna's, like, marriage wasn't super steady at the time. Of, oh, you like, mean, like, John and Mary's? <laughs> yeah. A little bit uh, suspiciously similar, but, like, we don't even see Deanna in the whole entirety of the Winchesters. It was one of the bigger complaints that we had when it was airing, was like, okay, but where the fuck is Deanna? Like, we hear about her, but we don't see her, and it's it's a bit whack, but we get information which is basically like, oh, yeah, like, when your parents separated for that bit, and Mary's like, when they fucking what? You know, so it's kind of like a very much callback to, like, Dean in Dark Side of the Moon, when he's, like, counselling Mary through the fact that yeah. John left for that period of time. And an absolutely dickhead. Yeah, and Sam's just like, I didn't know that their relationship was kind of fucked, and it's like, yeah, so I think that it potentially, like, plays into that as well. Not that they would have necessarily had that thought process at this time, but, like, it's more likely that they did it the other way around oh a million percent yeah but like my point is like you don't know what character work they're going about yeah so i actually wanted to mention this as well specifically like dean says to him like don't go down that road of bringing mary back and i think it's because dean sees so much of his dad in samuel you know like all john wanted was for mary to come back and you know he's a parallel is not a real true parallel but it's also kind of like well it's like he wants to bring mary it's like there's something about mary it's like we were saying earlier on in this season where it's just like, it's the Samuel, John, Sam yeah. dynamic of like, they're all the same character with a slightly different filter. Dean says, I'm asking you to learn from our mistakes. This is how the book of the bad guy gets us every time. It's our Achilles heel and apparently it runs in the family. And it's like, yeah, like that's... Everyone but Sam's allowed to make a deal. <laughs> like that's, that's how it works. Everyone but Sam's allowed to make a deal. I wonder if Sam could make a demon deal right now. Yeah. Like... I don't think so. I don't know that Because normally what they would use is his soul in a prison program. Well, I mean, technically his soul is already being held in hell. So, like, I wonder if he yeah. did a deal with a demon and then he died, would his soul revert to that demon's possession, therefore removing it from the cage? This is clearly not how they do it. Yeah, but like, hypothetically. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 
A lot of people lose hold. Anyway. Yeah. Did you have something else that you wanted to move on to? I had a point and then I forgot it. Okay. Well, I want to talk about Mark Shepard, so would you be happy to move that direction? Uh, I did have a point that was actually relevant to what we were talking about. Just speed from my brain. Um, no, I think it's gone. Okay. Well, I will talk about Mark Shepard then. So, number one, do we think that they had Mark Shepard play the shifter to save money? <laughs> to save having to pay another actor? And they still lost money. Yeah. They were still unprofitable. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I I do I do appreciate the fact that we get double Mark Shepard this week. That was excellent. Such a good choice. He even has incredible bands of chemistry with himself, and yeah. I think that's fantastic. Especially considering he would have been playing against basically nothing. Like, yeah, it would have just been like someone standing there counting. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I love that whole scene, but I do want to mention that when he gets spattered in blood is disgusting, and I do love the baby monitor. I think that is yeah. literally fucking hilarious. Like. The concept of a demon going out and like buying a baby monitor from Kmart or something <laughs> is literally so funny. And also, like, we have to assume that that nursery is somewhere, like in the building. Like, there's demons whose job is to look after these fucking babies. You know those memes that are like, you see this man standing in, what are you doing? And it's like just a photo of like Crowley with the baby monitor, and like, you see this man standing in the Kmart baby section, <laughs> what, what are you, you doing? doing? <laughs> I also wanted to quickly bring up, do you remember ages ago you were, well, we were talking about how hunters came to figure out mm-hmm. how various monsters were like killed or hurt yeah. and like, and I was saying, oh, it's kind of like we get a bit more information down the track, but it's like a trial by error kind mm-hmm. of thing. This is not entirely what I was thinking of, but this scene does kind of fall under that, mm-hmm. where it's like Crowley has literally been taking these um, creatures in and obviously trying to force information, but part of that is experimenting to find out what can actually hurt them. Yeah. So, like, I think he says it's like iridium or something yeah. in this case that hurts the, the original shifter. And so, like, it really is, like, we don't really know, but we'll figure it out just by trying everything until something works. And you know what? All I can hear in that scene is, because you're worth it. <laughs> Gloria, because, because you're, you're worth it. And you know what? Mark Trevor really is worth it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I also wanted to very quickly mention, in terms of weaponry this episode, I kind of like that Sam reclaimed Ruby's knife mm-hmm. from Meg. I did kind of yeah. like that. He did, like, give it back to her like, 10 minutes later. Yeah. But I liked that it's he... It's the thought that counts. Yeah, I like that he sort of took it back mm-hmm. from Meg. And also, I love Meg fighting with an angel blood. Mm-hmm. Like, I really enjoy that mm-hmm. as, like, a visual. And then, obviously, because, like, she's kind of got, like, some kind of entanglement happening with Cass. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of like... But it's that angel demon crossover. She's fighting with his weapon. Yeah, like I like it. It also reminded me of last episode when I liked that Dean had the gun and the angel blade, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I see something here. It's almost like Cass's love interests have angel blades now. Like, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I quite liked that as well. And I also loved when Meg is, like, I know that I hate, I said I didn't like the torture scene where she's like pulling me for no reason. Yeah. But I did really like when she starts laughing and he's like, what are you laughing at? And she says, Dean Winchester's behind you. I really just mm-hmm. enjoy that. But I also really liked that they specifically made a show of untying her and removing her from that situation. Yeah. Tactically, they could have left her there, but they chose not to. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Like, even if they are usually kind of like, I kill you with no hesitation. I like that they're like, while we're on this mutual truce, yeah, I'm not going to leave you here in this compromised yeah. position. I'll get you out. Oh, also, we get the scene where, like, Sam bites his own arm. What is that meant to imply? I feel really dumb right now. Oh, no, 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 no. That's fine, because it's fucking weird. So, <laughs> I was like, oh, is he trying to, like, drink his own blood because <laughs> it's demon blood? And he's trying to, like... That's so funny. 
actually when he did it, I nearly said that to you. I was like, it's like he's trying to drink his own blood. But then I was like, no, I'm not going to interrupt this kind of intense moment. But basically, when the demons come in to get him later, the blood drips on one of their forehead, which I thought was like a really interesting, like circular loop back to the pilot with the blood dripping on yeah. Sam's forehead as a baby, and also when Jess is dying. And see, he has actually used his blood to put a demon trap on the oh, ceiling. Okay, so that's because he's, he's so super tall yeah. that he can reach. <laughs> which do we think then that the one that trapped Crowley was also Sam's blood? Fucking maybe. He was like, "Look, I've already, I'm ready to go. I'll just drip in a circle." Yes, no, sorry, Sam used his blood to draw the demon trap on the ceiling. And also, the scene after they realise they're trapped and he, like, grins at them with, like, the blood all through his teeth is so fucking creepy and horrible. It's... Like, it's effective, but I hated it. Speaking of Sam, Mm -hmm. we got a new Sam description dropped this episode. We get mop-headed lumberjack, and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) This show just is really sometimes, they're like, how can we disrespect our main actor? Do you know what it's like? It's like, you know, when you're reading a fan fiction and the author is desperately trying to not use their character names over and over and yeah. over. So it'll be like, instead of Dean, it'll be like the green-eyed man mm-hmm. or like the one with freckles or the shorter of the two or like, and they'll just do anything to avoid saying Dean four times in a row. Yeah. It's literally like that. It's like they don't want Carly to just say Sam. So they say, he says mop-headed lumberjack mm. or squirrel or like moose or like whoever. Or do we think it's just because they realised that it was a bad idea to have two characters named Sam? Oh my God, maybe. <laughs> maybe. They've got, like, they were like, we've got to differentiate. Like, <laughs> I also, and I want to quickly touch on the interaction we get between Crowley and Cass with the bones as well. But before we do, I want to mention the fact that I adore that Crowley's primary concern is always for his clothing. Because again, this episode, he complains that he just had his suit dry cleaned, which is so funny. But like, why shouldn't his concern be for his clothing? Like, I'm not saying his his priorities are wrong. I'm just saying I appreciate that his priorities are consistent. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the state of his outfit and then finding purgatory yeah. in that order. Oh, I had a new theory about why he wants to find purgatory. Oh, okay, fun. Like, it's not anything really all that new. But, like, previously I sort of, my, my running theory was, like, plenty of souls in purgatory. It's free real estate. It's free real estate, plenty of power. It might be that, but it also might be, like, in conjunction, there might be something actually in purgatory that he's after. Oh. Like, so he wants to find purgatory, not so much for purgatory, but because there is some sort of being or weapon or something that is currently in purgatory that he's trying to get. So just to clarify, because you've also mentioned that, like, obviously, like, there are souls in purgatory, yeah. and, like, they've talked about this pretty openly. Added both. So, like, okay, so it's, yeah. like, in excess of souls. Yeah. Okay. My new theory is, like, there's something that he actually wants in purgatory, some mm-hmm. sort of weapon or being, and, like, the extra souls and real estate is just, like, a bonus. Like, just, like, a fun part of it. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting theory. I guess we will come to it when we come to it. The other thing that I wanted to touch on is the comment, Castiel, haven't seen you all season, which I just think is so funny. Like, because... Not it, really, no. It, it's, like, a break in the fourth wall, almost. Yeah. Like... They're acknowledging that they haven't put Misha Collins in enough of the Scobob show. Yeah. He's just not been around. And, like, obviously, like, we're getting a lot of, like, Cass is fucking busy, Cass is doing important mm-hmm. shit, and, like, we had that reiterated even in this episode. And I think even Crowley makes a comment about, like, how, like, the state in heaven is, like, worse than, I think they used the example of, like, the Vietnam War. But, like, you know, he's saying that, like, shit's fucked, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they're just reinstating that. I think it's whack that they use the word season. Yeah. Because that feels so metatextual. Yeah. And I think that's probably intentional. It's a fun little, like, wink, wink, nudge, and nudge at the audience. Yeah, I think like, it's intentional, but I just think it's a really fun use. 
Yeah. And I think it's like a, a quick little like sort of jab at the fourth wall. Like they can always make through the window, you know. And then we have the gay on gay violence of the episode, which is Cass burning Crowley front. Yeah. How are we feeling about that? Do we have thoughts, feelings, opinions? Well, my thought is I feel like at this point it's meant to imply he's dead now. Like that. Have we, remind me, have we had this happen on the show yes. before? Okay. Because I was pretty sure we had Bobby with the. We've already, we've both. already seen. Okay, yeah. I sped watch this season and I couldn't remember yeah, if that we've, happened we've, before. We've had Bobby do this to unnamed female demon extra number so four. So it was weekend at Bobby's, right? Did that happen? Mm, yes, yes. yes. Okay. And in that episode, we also get the first appearance of Crowley specifically, but because they find it and then they use the incredible leverage they have over the King of Hell to just get Bobby's soul back and literally nothing else. It's kind of a yeah. bit of a waste. Like, <laughs> you've already got the bones. At least take advantage of the power, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and then that's right, because then Crowley took his bones back, back and then Cass has obviously gone and found, found them. them. And you didn't hide them anywhere near as well. Yeah. And I feel like it's meant to imply that Crowley is now, like, erased from being. Like, he is being burnt. That's what was implied in Weekend of Bobby's. But, like, I feel like I know for a fact that Crowley comes back. Like, I know for a fact that Mark Shepard did appear in more than just the first, like, not even the first, but, like, two and a half seasons of this show. I have a so feeling... So you don't think this is a permanent death? No. Okay. Like, I think it might be a death of some sort, but I don't think it's a permanent death by any imagine. Like, okay. So you think there's, like, a loophole? Yeah. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Okay. I want to ask you about Crowley. Like, obviously, this is a relatively plot-heavy episode, and given that yeah. he's just had a death of sorts even regardless yeah. of whether or not it's permanent like do you have any particular thoughts or feelings in either direction about Crowley as much as Crowley's like always 12 steps ahead he's kind of also exactly what he says mm-hmm. like he doesn't ever actually try to hide what his motivations are he just is a little bit not forthcoming yeah he just doesn't come forth with all the details about exactly how he plans to achieve it you know what I mean mm-hmm. like you always pretty well know what his end goal was every time we've had Crowley like he is exactly what he says on the tip. Like, what he says he wants, he wants. Yeah. He knows he is good enough and smart enough that there is no point hiding what he wants. He can get it anyway. Like, Carly is very good at being point blank and being very upfront and, like, giving you the, like, broad overview. But then he's at his, like, core. It's the details that get He was the king of the crossroads. Yeah. And he knows how to put little details and little loopholes and whatever the fuck else he wants in the, like, metaphorical contract, you know, like, he knows how to do that. And that's exactly what he did with Bobby. Like, yeah. in, like, the contract, it was, like, subclause C5 yeah. or whatever the fuck. And it said that, like, he only had to make best efforts to return the soul. Yeah. And so it's, like, the little fucking nitpicky details yeah. that will catch you out. And, yeah, you're right. Like, otherwise, he's usually pretty upfront yeah. about, like, what he wants or what he's doing. It's never the big picture that's going to get you by surprise. It's exactly how he accomplishes it. For him, it's all about the journey. The destination is already stated up front. It's, That's what makes him a Dean secondary character. It's, it's, it's about the means. Oh, I did just want to pull out the line, I don't give a shit because like, Sam really did. Like, <laughs> he's like, I don't care. He really doesn't. Yeah, I think Sam cannot emphasize enough how little he cares at this point in time. Yeah, no, we've already established he has no hormones. Exactly. Uh, and we get the line, evil bitch. For Meg, and you know, it's apt. You're like, yeah. I prefer Icon, but she's an evil bitch, and I love that. Yeah, for her. yeah. So, I wanted to talk about like the very, very, very end yeah. of the episode where Sam and Dean have their little spat. It's like, Sam, come back, don't walk away. And Sam's like, I'm gonna walk away silently. And it's like, ooh, angst. It's like, all right, this will last two episodes and whatever. So, Dean says, and this is because Sam has basically said, I don't even want my soul back. Like, you heard yeah. Cass, you heard 
Crowley, you had Meg. Like, it's probably a shit idea. It's going to fuck me up. Like, I don't want that. And it's like, yeah, that's valid. And also, like, this comes right back around to Sam Autonomy. Like, regardless of, like, the fact that he doesn't have a soul and that's clearly a problem, he's still trying to have autonomy over his body. He's like, I don't want to go through this very risky procedure. And Dean's like, you have to. And he's like, I don't want to. And Dean's like, well, you have to. And it's like, okay, but, like, Dean, you've got a point, but also Sam is yet again being stripped of his bodily autonomy because everyone is telling him he has to do this thing, but they're also telling him you might die or be permanently altered in some way. Anyway, it sort of culminates in Dean saying to Sam, you don't even know what you're saying. And Sam comes back with, no, I'm saying something that you don't like. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that that is a really, really, really interesting. Yeah, good on him. Take. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because it feels very Sam and John. Yeah. And, and I think this is really the first time in Sam's life that Dean's ever even taken on a vaguely John-esque. Yeah, because so commonly we see, like, Dean heavily, heavily linked with Mary, very sort of loosely, if at all, linked to John. And normally he's linked to John in a way where, like, it's an external character saying something or, like, you know, in this episode even, like, he was talking about, like, how his dad always, like, put family first or whatever, which is, like, sure, okay. <laughs> But, like, I guess, like, we rarely see Dean heavily linked with John in any way that really matters. Like, he might be linked to John in, like, he wears John's jacket. He likes John's music. He drives John's car. But, like, a lot of that stuff, like we've talked about before, was heavily influenced by Mary at its core. Like, it was Mary's music. Like, Mary and John bonded over Led Zeppelin, you know? Like, and I actually think that's a fact that we don't know yet. But, like... You know. And it's actually a tragedy that Dean doesn't know that everything good about John was actually Mary. <laughs> Literally. It's interesting to have this argument because to me it feels reminiscent of like Stanford era Sam saying like, it's not that I don't know what I want, it's that you don't agree with what I want. And so I think that that's just like a fascinating place to leave off. I don't think I actually have too much else to say about this episode. I only have one note that I haven't marked off which is from meg when she says what do you want a cupcake because i just think that that's a delightful little bit from her but everything else i think we basically covered so if you don't have any other points that you would like to make cool in that case how would you rate this week's episode page heat out of five okay i'm gonna give it a three and a half out of five Ooh, fun i feel like it would be more if it wasn't just chuck a block full of big yikes moments it really had to, it could have been such a good episode and it just, yeah. it, it lets it down. And like, yeah. that is a terminal supernatural thing where it's like, well, this could have been really cool, but like, unfortunately you made, make me naked for no reason and you would just make him un, just unfunny yeah. jokes the whole time. Like, you know, yeah, no, I it, agree. I would probably give it a slightly lower score, except we do get lots of Meg, lots of cast, lots of Crowley. It feels physically wrong to give an episode with those three characters in it less than a half. Valid. Like, it just, it feels really not not good, you know what I mean? Like, it's got the good characters in it. Mm -hmm. The issue is not the good characters, the issue is all of the other bullshit here. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I get that. Next week's episode is titled Appointment in Samhara. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, hopes, dreams, fears, or predictions? Well, I've never heard of Samhara, and I feel like that's probably, like, the clue to what the episode's actually about. Do you know what Samhara is? It, it, would it be spoilery for me to look up what Samhara is? Am I allowed to do that? No more spoilery than looking up, like, Girl Interrupted. Like, okay. Sam and Chubby. 
Because I'm pretty sure Appointment in Sentai, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it might be like either a me or like a book or some sort of title. I am not familiar with the work itself. Okay. I'm just gonna really yeah, go for it. It like it, it rings a little bell in my brain, but I don't know about the property. Like I've never engaged with it outside of it. Is it Appointment in Samara? Yeah, I had it spelled like Sam, S A M and then H A R A, but that could have just been me typing poorly. It's actually a novel, not a movie. That's why I kept on thinking with. Oh, sure. Yeah. So it concerns the self-destruction of the fictional character, a wealthy car dealer who was once a member of the social elite of Pigsville. Oh, interesting. I have no idea how that could relate to a supernatural episode. Yeah, I I don't really remember how that relates to the episode, if I'm totally honest. So does someone <laughs> self-destruct and or become a wealthy car dealer? I don't remember anything to do with car dealership at all like i think that may be a real i think more the themes of like self-destruction like that sort of thing you know what i mean like it's definitely to do with self-destruction yeah like certainly that but i don't think that there's any other relevance to that <laughs> so do you have any they're gonna do something stupid aren't they <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just told you the theme self-destruction. <laughs> to be fair, though, it's a supernatural episode, so you can always guarantee they're going to do something. Yeah, that's stupid. just every like, episode. That's, that's not really a prediction so much as, like, a just this is what the An expectation, is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, clearly they're going to continue to try and deal with the Sam. Because like, Sam's like, I don't want my soul back, and Dean's like, you're getting your fucking soul back, mate. So maybe maybe they're coming on that plot line. Maybe they're murdering Crowley again because he would get Icon and became a phobia. Yeah. No, I don't apologise. There's not really a lot you can go on for this yeah. title, really. Do you think that Cass is likely to be an episode? feel like Sarah Gamble would, in fact, not <laughs> Well, I mean, again, like, this episode, they reiterated that, like, Cass is fucking busy. Like, I, yeah. really, they're setting up, like, Cass isn't going to be around much. Like, we literally get the line, haven't seen you all season. Like, they're not being fucking subtle about the fact that, like, we're giving the audience the audience an excuse to, like, Either understand why that, Cass or isn't this present. Point, this, the ratings have started to drop, that we're going to get, like, four Cass episodes <laughs> we're not seeing him again until, like, the season finale. I mean, to be fair, like we're like we mentioned earlier, we're almost over the midway point now. We've yeah. only got like next episode, I think, is the midway point. So like that's probably not a bad yeah. like guess, really. Do you think that Crowley is likely to be in next week's episode? No, I think unfortunately they'll at least pretend he's dead. Okay, <laughs> that brings us to the end of my questions and the end of this episode. Holy moly, we did it! We did. It's almost like we've been running this fucking podcast for the last like two and a half years. Anyway. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to our episode as much as we enjoyed making it for you. And if you wanted to interact with us outside of our ramblings for an hour or so every week, you can always hit us up on any of our social medias, all of the links to which will be in the descriptions below. And possible topics of conversation, including... Oh, I just want to hear your spiciest hot takes of, like, Dean adjacent characters versus Sam Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. I also want to know your thoughts on next year. Because I'm, I'm interested. Like, for me, it's not something that I necessarily ship as a romantic pairing, but I do see the merit of it is as, a, like, a duo. And I feel like, for me, if if I was to write a fic that had Megan Castiel, it would be, like, past Meg Castiel. They dated each other, realized they were gay, and mm. split up. But now they're, like, evil besties. gay besties. I've definitely, you know I mean? I've definitely read fics where yeah. that is 100% the case. Yeah, like that—that's the vibe. Like they were like the two queers in the like yeah. cons- uh, conservative religious high school yeah. that like found each other, thought they were into each other, dated for six months to a year, and then went actually no, we're both gay, and then they were yeah. just besties. Turns out it's just like you know how like queer people just like flocked yes, together. Yes, exactly. That. Like it was just that. That's yeah. all. It was. That's why they. Th- you know what I mean? 
I've definitely read fics like that. Yeah. So, anyway, thanks so much for listening, and hopefully we'll have you back next week for Appointment in Samara. Bye! Bye.